Hi, everybody. This is Phil the Issues Guy from IssuesProgram.com and Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Do you like television? Do you like talking about television? Do you have problems and can't sleep at night? If you any of those things are true, come on down and join Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Phil's recap and review or check out IssuesProgram.com to check out our stuff. Basically, what we do is we talk a lot about television, some movies, but mainly television. We do post-episode recaps, live viewings, drunk commentary games, and just general analysis. So if you love television, you don't have a ton of people to talk about television, or you just cannot get enough of some of these awesome shows like Vikings, Better Call Saul, Westworld, Game of Thrones, even The Walking Dead, and some other random shows that just pop up here and there. If you cannot get enough of all those programs and you want to talk about them... Jump on over, join in the live motherfucking chat with some of the best people in the world that all share their thoughts real time whenever we go live. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you follow the YouTube channel by clicking that little bell thing, you can find out anytime we go live. You can also check out issuesprogram.com for a backload of all of our stuff and check out our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and lots of other places. Huge thanks to all of you and hope you check it out and hope you enjoy it. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Boston Bastard Brigade, Electric Sisterhood, and On the Street proudly present No Points, No Mix, The World's J-Pop and Alternative Hotspot. and wenches, welcome to episode 283 of No Borders, No Race. I am your King Baby Dr. Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. So who else is pissed off about season 2 of Demon Slayer? The film Mugen Train was the biggest grossing film of 2020 and a worldwide smash. It made so much money that everyone who wanted to see it actually did. So... Why the fuck is season two starting off with an arc that every Demon Slayer fan has already fucking seen? If we want to watch Mugen Train again, we'd better buy the Blu-ray or watch it streamed on Funimation or Crunchyroll. We don't need to see it again in TV form. We all know that usually winds up being shit when they add more to the movie, as evident by Dragon Ball Z's Battle of Gods and Resurrection F. So why? Why can't I watch the Red Light District arc right now? Why can't I watch Tanjiro, Inosuke, and Zenitsu awkwardly roam around the presence of hookers while hunting demons? Fucking why? (sighs) As you can tell, I don't like this retelling one bit. I am going to soldier through it out of spite, but I am not going to like it. So, instead of griping more about the Mugen Train TV version arc, I'm going to instead start the actual show. On today's episode of No Borders, No Race, a sci-fi epic finally arrives on the big screen and an iconic anime graces itself on both Crunchyroll and Kickstarter. Plus, on this week's A Bastard Soapbox, finding acceptance in a world that doesn't accept one's existence. It's a very, very heavy topic just to warn you, so, um... Bear with me on it. But first, let's dive into this week's playlist. Remember, as always, if you like what you hear and would like to support these artists, you can find their music on CD Japan, Amazon, Yes Asia, Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, the band's official sites, and your local record store. We're going to start off the show with some new Queen Bee, the genre and gender-defying Japanese band that always wows with their sound and style. This is a newbie that is known as King Bitch. King Bitch. 
や苦しくな遊びをしてたこの頃あの頃思い出してたスイートはジッピーサベジでディープな遊びをしてはこの頃あの頃思い出してたお金は紙価値は波仮想的で血抜き背が結果伝統芸能数人生はデュエル救護所かオーバー級巨人的最強な見つけにケロベロス山のボスタルのどべくらい吹きかご殴られても離さぬ病にドロソ塗り合う傷口さながらうろぼろせいつ抜けたらなんて無理ほらここで逃げるとかしゃっぱいからすごろくみたいに上がるなら全部張りやまだまだ食いつぶしてるチガタガタ言わせるのは一お手おかわり自ら焚きつける犬の周りここ掘れワンワン獲物がジャンジャンところで忘れんジャシオバーリードーム側由来ステージで磨き暇のシャウジャントロフィーはガチ割り体が足り前どっそとしまい足り前来て振って尻尾丸めなやうちらどうしとかしないほら夢見てだったらキモいから綺麗に汚れた美しさ何よりどうもなやぎやった
from 2007's E-Pop Making Release. The band was known for their contributions to such anime as Beck, Mongolian Chop Squad, Bleach, and the Nickelodeon series Kappa Mikey. Sadly, Beat Crusaders would disband in 2010. No sign of them getting back together in the near future. Frank Herbert's novel Dune has been called unadaptable by many. His sci-fi epic is filled with complex plot lines, ones that not even the great David Lynch could bring to life on the big screen in his 1984 adaptation. There was a miniseries two decades back, which was actually pretty decent for its time, but any attempt to bring Dune back to the silver screen has almost always been met with delays and cancellations. Finally, after years of development hell and one director after another dropping out of the project, Dune returns in a bombastic way through the guide of Blade Runner 2049 director Denis Villeneuve. Is what I would love to say had it not been for the fact that this movie left me feeling very frustrated. I knew going into it that I wouldn't be experiencing the full book in its entirety, as Villeneuve is splitting it into two parts. But there is a right way to give a complete telling of a novel, and there is a wrong way to do that. And if I am being quite frank, much of Dune left me feeling, well, the word I can best think of regarding all of this is meh. Now, don't get me wrong. Visually, Dune is an impressive behemoth. Not since I watched The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance have I seen a film that looks like it was genuinely filmed on another planet. Arrakis is showcased with such danger and loneliness. And the moment you finally see the sandworm demonstrated the true freaky nature of this planet. So from an aesthetic perspective, Dune looks awesome. The problem lies within the film's pacing. I get that a story like Dune takes a little bit to fully build up its world. The allies, the enemies, the supernatural powers of Lady Jessica and the Duke's heir Paul, how people fight, and even its technology must be showcased in a way that'll both wow and explain how this world currently functions. But not only does it drag its feet with everything about the planet Arrakis, but it does a pretty shit job explaining everything. It takes... 80 minutes of its two and a half runtime to get the gears turning in Dune. Only when the Harkonnen come to kill the Duke and his heirs where the light in this film's eyes begins to glimmer. And even when all of this happens, it feels like something is greatly missing in context. 
I get that this spice is important in the same way nations these days kill one another over oil. He who controls the spice controls the world, after all, as evident by the importance of spice imports and the like in the olden days. But throughout my viewing of Dune, I was often turning my head in a way that would make it clear to others that I wasn't understanding what was going on. Even with the best moments of the film, I never quite felt invested in what was happening on the big screen. The feeling of excitement didn't appear in my heart like a Star Wars or a Star Trek film would. Like I said, I knew going into this that it was going to end midway through the actual story. But the last 20 minutes of the movie felt more like a teaser for part two than a good cutting off point. The visions that Paul has all throughout the film hinted at the excitement that was going to happen. Only you actually never get to see it in this part of Dune. Those visions and the film's 20 minutes were like a goddamn cock tease, enticing me with a promise of excitement, only to give me a half-assed lap dance with no emotion whatsoever. Will I tune into the second part of Dune? I mean, I would after everything that was teased, but this first part felt like a waste of time. I give credit to Denis Villeneuve for his ambition, as this has been a dream project of his. Nevertheless, the first part of Dune left me feeling unsatisfied. Maybe it would be better as a TV project or something, or if Alejandro Jodorowsky's 14-hour Dune project actually came to fruition. But after watching this part of Dune, I fully understand why it's been deemed unadaptable for the big screen. Now here's something that's not disappointing and won't leave you frustrated. Our friends Skinny Lister are back with a new album called A Matter of Life and Love. Here's hoping that the guys and gals come over here to the U.S. soon. Here now is Tough Stuff Like Us. Just because you make a noise, it doesn't mean you have a voice. Doesn't mean you have a choice
It's the Mike Rogers Show coming to you live from Tokyo, Japan, a year-end special, and I'll be with my good friend, Evan Borgold, and you can tune into the Mike Rogers Show. We play Japanese music, Japanese pop, Japanese, uh, uh, and you can win a bazillion dollars on this show. I don't know how you can, but maybe, you know, if you listen to the show, maybe you can somehow, maybe buy a raffle ticket or something. The Mike Rogers Show, yes, tune in. We're going to have our year-end top five countdown. It's going to be way cool, and you can hear more good songs just like this. And a song classic that was Meiko Nakahara with Uchu Renai that served as the B side to her Rororora Roulette single, both songs serving as the opening and ending theme to the iconic anime series 
Dirty Pear. And I honestly can't believe that Dirty Pear is as old as I am. I was only half a year old when Kei and Yeti's first space adventure first hit Japanese airwaves. And there are a couple of reasons why I am talking about Dirty Pear here. The first reason is, as of this recording, probably finished by its airing, Dirty Pair is in the midst of having an English dub kickstarted by Nozomi Entertainment. I personally donated to it because this is a classic that I've been itching to finally watch. And that leads me to the other reason why I'm talking about Dirty Pair and why I'm going to keep supporting that Kickstarter. And that is because the TV series is now available to watch on Crunchyroll. And let me tell you, Dirty Pair has aged beautifully. It's still rough around the edges animation-wise, but this show's storytelling is just as entertaining and relevant today as it was back in 1985. Maybe even more so than when it first aired, and I'll explain that part in a moment. One of the things that I love about Dirty Pear is that, despite it starring two top-tiered waifus, the show is not some excuse to be sexy or do pervy humor. Kay and Yeti are well-rounded both in personality and in the character development department. They don't go shooty-shooty-blam-bam because they look hot doing it. They do it because they've got a job to do. And their results? Well, there's a reason why they're called the Dirty Pair by many and not the Lovely Angels as they prefer to be known as. I look at Kay and Yeti and I surprisingly see Spike Spiegel and Jet Black in these two. Both pairs have missions or bounties to collect, and they attempt to earn cash with style. Only they do more fucking up than bucking up. Seriously, go back and rewatch Cowboy Bebop, and you'll be surprised by how many times Spike and Jet are unsuccessful at their missions. Considering that Sunrise is behind both Bebop and Dirty Pair, as well as City Hunter if you want to do a trifecta of cool anime, I shouldn't be surprised by this comparison. But Dirty Pair not only is great with the action, it's great with the storytelling. While there's not much growth between Kei and Yeri, there are some episodes that surprised the crap out of me. And the one that wowed me the most was Episode 7, where a father is attempting to break up his son's relationship because the woman he's in love with is trans. And Kei and Yeri are all for supporting the couple berating the father for his ass-backwards views. Again, this is a show from 1985, and its viewpoints on love, acceptance, and equal gender rights is more relevant today than it was back then. That, to me, is fucking awesome. Kate and Yeri are pure feministic icons, in my honest opinion. Yes, they may be man-hungry, as evident by the multiple times they try to go on a date, only to be interrupted by a job, but as the series progresses, it's evident that Kay and Yeri need no man in their lives. They've got each other, and I think that's what matters most. Besides, they can kick the shit out of any man who tries to harm them or piss them off. Shit, they blew up a planet once! Ain't no one gonna fuck with them when they pull shit like that. So please... Do yourselves a favor and experience the greatness of Dirty Pair. I sincerely hope you supported the Kickstarter. But if you didn't, you can watch the TV show on Crunchyroll and Verve. No word on whether or not the movies and OVA series will be added later on, but I hope they do. Dirty Pair is a true anime classic, and it's a series that I fully believe deserves to be brought back in some fashion. Hell, I don't care if it takes another four years. Bring it back for its 40th anniversary or something. Kay and Yuri deserve to be on an anime pedestal. And if you watch Dirty Pair, 
you will fully understand why that is. Bird, Bear, Hair, and Fish have returned with a new single, which sounds like a great hint of what's to come from them in the future. This is Home Run. I'm not afraid of the dark. 
I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Want to be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackcompat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. Yeah.
It's the return of Inca Babies with their first new song in seven years. That was Walk in the Park, which will be found on Inca Babies' new album, Swamp Street Soul, in stores on November 23rd. Why, what's this? Looks like a big box of candy. Oh, hey, it's time for some local treats. It's the Beantown Sampler. Hope you're in the mood to fight because here comes a duo wanting to kick ass with some sweet chiptune electronica. They call themselves Battle Mode with the duo of Chris and Biff bonding over their love of Game Boy created sounds meshing with live instruments. Their first single is a song about friendship through the eyes of Chris and his Russian blue cat, Smokey Boy. Great name for a cat, by the way. They are playing Boston's Hard Rock Cafe on November 9th, so if this song jazzes you, then give them some love and support. Here are Battle Mode with Midnight Blue. We've got your pop culture reactions and news over at leakpodcast.com. The League of Ordinary Gentlemen comic book podcast is more than just comic. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts on social at Leak Podcast.
From the oral cigarettes, that was Machine Gun, their second single of 2021, with Red Criminal being released back in June. Machine Gun currently serves as the opening theme to Scarlet Nexus, the anime series based on the popular video game. And now, folks, I am going to speak my mind as I present this week's A Bastard's Soapbox. There's a saying that the anagram for LGBT has their letters in that order because it goes from who gets the most respect in the community to the least amount of respect. And the unfortunate thing is that, despite it being said as a joke, it's actually kind of true. The LNG get a plethora of respect from everyone in and out of the community. The Bs while accepted more in society, often get scorned by the L's and G's, claiming that they need to, quote-unquote, take a side. And then, there are the T's, who not only struggle with acceptance by outside society, but are often ostracized by the L's, G's, and B's as well. And it's because of this aspect that makes it hard for the transgender community to find some sort of safe space, Whether in person or in a virtual place, there appears to be nowhere in a public venue 
where a transitioning person can feel both 100% safe and 100% comfortable. There are places where someone can experience some safety and comfort, but it's never enough to feel confident enough to stop looking over their shoulders. Even in places that should be inclusive to all of those in the LGBTQ community, transgender individuals are still being scorned by the very people that should be welcoming them with open arms. The lack of safe spaces, inclusive environments, and true support by members in and outside of the gay community is why suicide rates in the transgender communities is so high. When the world seems to be against their very existence, it's understandable why so many of them end their lives rather than keep on fighting. I get that not everyone can accept someone who is transitioning from one gender to another right at the get-go, but there needs to be patience, understanding, and most importantly, listening to these people to truly get what they're going through, why they feel this way, and what they're going to do in order to transform themselves into the person they most feel comfortable with. Back in 2009, my college roommate came out to me as transgender. She brought it up to me in a surprisingly nonchalant manner, as she had seen that I had done some laser hair removal to treat some spots on my back, and wanted to know if it would work on their face. And it took me about two minutes to process this. After all, I grew up being judged for my autism, so it was easy for me to accept someone who was different, especially someone who was a good friend to me. And while she's gone off to the other side of the country to live, I still consider her a good friend and an important person I met during my years at college. Now I get that this is something that not a lot of people can do because they've never been on a pathway of life that's constantly ostracizing them because of what they are, how they think, or who they love. But to not treat your fellow human beings like they're human beings is, well, it's not good. And because so many of these people have such ass-backwards beliefs and thought processes, we're seeing huge attacks on the transgender community like never before. And the people that are being attacked most right now are kids. My college friend once told me that if she had the opportunity to do so, she would have come out as trans when she was five. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of my friends in the transgender community have told me something similar as they knew at a very young age that they were born in the wrong body. It's why it's important that these transgender kids gain access to the therapies and hormone blockers at a young age, as it can greatly damage their psyche in the long run if they don't. And on top of that, it's why these kids should be allowed to participate in sports and events that fit with the gender that they truly feel most comfortable with not to mention the gender that they truly are. And for some reason, these necessities are being outlawed in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Just a couple of days ago, Texas governor and living piece of shit Greg Abbott signed into law stating that kids must only participate in sports that coincide with the gender on their birth certificate. In many southern states, the access to hormone treatments to kids have been made illegal, with threats to throw doctors in prison for treating transgender kids. And these laws are going to cause a rise in bullying, teen suicide rates, teen murders, and a much larger ostracized mentality. 
This isn't an assumption. This is what unfortunately happens. I'm glad to know that a lot of my friends in the transgender community are getting the help and treatment needed to become the person they want to be. But I also get that these friends will always have these tall hurdles to jump over, while the L's, G's, and B's merely have a speed bump or two to step over in their pathway. I hope that in my lifetime, there will be a period where the world becomes a truly inclusive place, especially for those in the trans community. We've made some great strides over the years to better our society and be more welcoming. But at the same time, I understand that we've also taken some steps backwards due to certain people in power and idiots who are given a megaphone that should have instead been given a ball gag. To all of my friends and listeners who are transgender, know that No Borders No Race will always have your back. Know that Boston Bash Brigade as a whole will always have your back. And I'll also do my absolute best to put a spotlight on trans artists in the future. They may not come out of the woodwork and in vast numbers like cis artists, but when one comes around and wows me, you can absolutely bet that I'll give them a spotlight to shine under. Because the fact of the matter is this. The trans community doesn't want to be treated better than the rest of society. They just want to be treated the same. It's not a give an inch, take a mile situation at all. They'll take that inch alongside all of us. And it's the kids right now that we need to be giving this space to the most. I mean, after all, they're our future. Even though so many people are trying to jeopardize society by not having a future to give them. But that's another conversation for another time, I believe. For now, I want to end this Bastard Soapbox segment with this reminder. Trans women are women, and trans men are men. And right now... It's the youth in our community that need our help most of all. Do what you can to help. Donate to organizations if you have the money. But if you can't do that, giving an ear to listen to what they have to say and what they've been going through will be helpful too. Be a decent human being by treating the trans community as the decent human beings they are. Be like Kay and Yeri in that seventh episode of Dirty Pair. Be supportive. And tell those who can't be as accepting to sit down and shut up. And I feel like that's where I should step off my soapbox. After all, I am an outsider when it comes to all of this. I speak on behalf as an ally, but I get that my words don't hit as strong as someone who is actually part of that community. That's why I'm saying that it's best to listen to those in the transgender community. Their words on this matter are what matters most. And if you give them a chance to speak, I promise that you'll easily find a place in your heart for them to reside in. Just an inch of your heart is all they ask for. <sighs> I know that was a very heavy subject, but it's something I've wanted to talk about for a very long time. Because I've seen a lot of my friends in the transgender community going through some really bad situations and such. And I want to do my best to be an ally voice for them. And to me, this is the only way that I can do it for the time being. I hope one day I can have enough money where I can donate to stuff like this. But for now, all I can offer are my words and my undying support. And I hope that's enough for the time being. Right then, let us head back to the playlist. Finnish metal band Realign are now celebrating their 20th anniversary with a new EP entitled XX, 
due out this January. Here's a morsel of that hardcore birthday cake they like to call as the stars align. clickbait, paywalls, or shilling around. At Scarlet Rhapsody, we are an independent web zone covering conventions across the country. Scarlet Rhapsody breaks it down for you. The guests, the dealers, the culture, the cosplay, the trending fandoms, and what makes a convention worth the price of admission. Are you convention cultured? You will be. 
visit us on the web at scarlet-rhapsody.com, Facebook at Scarlet Rhapsody Media, Twitter at Cons and Churros, YouTube at Scarlet Rhapsody Convention Cultured, and remember, the con is what you make of it, so make it a good one. See you at the con. Give up. That was Lolita number 18 with Kokoro no Bowls. Lolita number 18 released a new EP back in April called Shinde Kara Kanashima Rete Mo Nani Mo Urashikunai, which translates roughly to I'm not happy when I'm sad after I die. Sounds like something I'd bitch about after a few drinks. Anyways, so sta ima mina san konshu no nihongo yoyaku no jikan desu. Sa という本はテキオフカノとヨバレテイマス。新しい絵が出のテキオはそれがなぜであるかを示していますどんは見た目は美しいか日高して折り、またまりのあるストーリーセに欠けています。物語の世界をこつくするに時間がかかりすぎます。話が完了した時次に何が起こるかを覗き見するだけです次は英語ではなくテレビ番組に作られたかったが良かったですダッチペアは36年経った今でも楽しめますケットよりの宇宙冒険は楽しく 
アクション満載の素晴らしい物語でいっぱいです新しい英語吹き替えのキックスタートがダーティペへの新たな興味を高めてくれることを願っていますラブリーエンジェルズが何らかの形の復讐で戻ってくることを祈ることしかできません最後にトランスジェンダーコミュニティの友人たちは多くの愛とサポートを必要としています多くの法律が可決されていますが善よりも害をもたらすように思います私たちは彼らをそのまま受け入れ彼らが幸せになれるように必要なものを与える必要がありますもしそれができれば社会はより大きな利益のために進化できるのではないかと思います My thanks again to my teacher, Mikio Hattori Sensei. Remember, if you'd like to know more information on her cultural exchange initiative, be sure to visit their website at ceinitiative.org. You can also follow CE Initiative on Instagram and on Facebook. The Peggies are back with album number two called The Garden, and it's fucking awesome. Here's a cut from that record called Dramatic.
culture saturated world what's a nerd to do hang out with your good pals on nerdy show that's what our flagship podcast is a weekly celebration of the multifaceted d20 that is the modern nerd when we're not devising horrors that combine vr and spiders or taste testing weird food we're discussing the latest geek happenings digging into our deepest nerd niches or interviewing a celebrity or two head to nerdyshow.com or find us on itunes and experience a multiverse of awesomeness
British and Norwegian power brooding through. That was Permafrost with the Japanese mix of Sugar Cubes, which is found on their 2019 self-titled EP. Permafrost have released a couple new songs in 2021, which could be hinting at a new record sometime in the next year. Well, that about wraps up this week's episode of No Borders, No Race. Remember, for the recent news, reviews, podcast episodes, and videos from the Boston Bash Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you're in a band and want to be featured on our show, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbashbrigade.com, like us on facebook.com slash bostonbashbrigade, and follow us on b3crew.tumblr.com. And you can follow me, your King Baby Duck, on Twitter, the J-Pop, Video Games, Anime, Amino Pages, Instagram, and Twitch at KingBabyDuckESH. Don't forget to give some love to our friends at Black Compat, which you can find at BlackCompat.com, Twitch.tv slash BlackCompat, and YouTube.com slash BlackCompat. Promotional consideration provided for this week's tracks from Inca Babies and Permafrost, made possible by Shameless Promotion PR, and a very special thank you to Rodney Cromwell for his contribution to Shameless Tuesdays. Thanks to Kabar PR for Rearm, and a big shout out to Clean Inferno for sending us battle mode for our Beantown Sampler segment. And one more big shout out to our good buddies at Skinny Lister for letting us play one of their new songs. Please do check out A Matter of Life and Love in stores now. We're ending the show with the latest song from Cider Girl, which serves as the theme song for the hotly anticipated series, Kobe Can't Communicate. Love the first episode. Go and watch it on Netflix after you finish this podcast. Here now, our Cider Girl with Cinderella. And until next time, this is your King Baby Doc reminding you that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard, but it sure helps.
guys, this is your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo, from the Electric Sisterhood, and your host for the No Borders, No Race podcast. Each episode, we play the best, brightest, and hottest acts from Japan, America, Europe, and the rest of the world. Every song spun is but a mere taste of what you can expect of the artists heard, so if you truly loved what hit your eardrums, please be sure to support these musicians and buy their albums, EPs, and singles. Places like Amazon.com, CD Japan, Yes Asia, Bandcamp, iTunes, and even your local record store are great places to plop down some sweet moolah to let those artists know that they're doing a heck of a good job with their melodies. The more an artist gets support from listeners, the better the chance that they'll come to a venue nearest you to play the sounds that won your heart. This message is brought to you by the Boston Bash Brigade, reminding you all to support your local, national, and international artists any way you can.